You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your calls. Andrew Forbes, Peter Barrichini, and Alex Hoffman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 60 of Sticks in the Six. I'm your host, Andrew Forbes, here with my co-hosts, Alex Hobson and Peter Barrichini. Boys, we have got a lot to talk about. Matthews is back. The Marner haters are quiet, and the Jack Eichel saga is over. But first, how are you boys doing? Alex, let's throw it over to you first. Um, well, first of all, Andrew, I got serious respect for you that you didn't get uh, twisted there saying episode 60 of sticks in the six i if i was in that Ooh. position i can almost guarantee i would have said six in the sticks the, episode six episodes episode 60 of you're, six you're already six. messing up right now uh, <laughs> that's episode, a big tongue twister or tongue yeah. tongue twister yeah, yeah no, that's tongue twister thing. for like a like i don't know like <laughs> nursery rhyme kind of thing would or whatever like, but welcome right. back to episode 60 of six in the six the secret oh there, God. boys, is drinking seven bottles of water before you jump on the air, making sure that it's nice and loose in the mouth. There you go. Stay hydrated, um, you know? Things are – anyways, yeah, things are doing pretty well on my way. As as you know, we record Sunday nights, and Sunday is typically the day I've got ball hockey. And I'm proud to announce that we had game one of our first-round matchup in our men's league division 12 ball hockey in niagara and we came out with the big dub there you go so, there you yeah. go. it was a, it was a, it was a quiet game for me personally i did we, we won 2-1 in the shootout i did score a shootout goal but nothing on the actual score sheet um but yeah we're the we're the underdogs in this series we're <laughs> we're in a league with seven with seven teams right and our record to end the season was two and ten so, but we were, we finished sixth. So we were somehow not the worst team in our league. So first place gets a bye, two plays seven, three plays six and four plays five. So we played the third place team today and we came out on top and we have a, we have a chance to advance to the second round on Tuesday. So I'm pretty fired up for that. Sorry. Did you guys say you're playing in Glendale or are you playing in Niagara? In Niagara. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Wait, do the Coyotes even have two wins now? Oh, uh, no, they don't. Or do they, uh, no, still they, just got, they still have their one. They so got their one yesterday. The, uh, we're better than the Coyotes then. That's and right. We probably that's have right. more fans. Dude, they should, <laughs> they should be put down to Division 22 like we were talking about last week. Oh, man. <laughs> division, the, yeah, the forbidden Division 22. You screwed me up there because the – uh, there's a street really close to the rink called Glendale Live. So I was thinking, wait, what, what are you talking about? Like, how, yeah. do, you, how do you know we're <laughs> no, playing sorry. ball hockey? <laughs> sorry, as soon I mean, as you said you I guys don't... were 2-10, and 10, I immediately thought like, oh, I was going to say let's go Buffalo, but they, they're actually doing well this season. So, yeah, <laughs> couldn't shit on them this early in the episode. No. So, Yeah, I know. We'll just, I just was... wait. We'll be back on that segment regularly sooner rather <laughs> yeah. than later. Yeah. I was just about to say, at least you guys are doing better than the Arizona Coyotes. So take yeah. that with a grain of salt, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yep. No, but uh, no, we look forward to your uh, your ball hockey uh, tales mm-hmm. every week. So glad sure. glad we started off again, episode 60, with, with yeah. a little bit of that. Um, as you can see, both of you guys are uh, growing the stashes for November. I'm doing the reverse with the beard, keeping it, uh, keeping it, uh, you know, looking looking old as I am. So, Peter, you got the you got the willy going on over there. How are you doing mm-hmm. this week? Yeah, you, you just mentioned I got the willy mustache going on. Um, it looks like you're doing the whole Joe Thornton, Brent Burns kind of thing, That's growing right. the beard, no stash. <laughs> but uh, 
Yeah, I mean, doing good. I I mean, I vented my frustration last week because I had some audio issues and thank God it worked out for me this week. I don't know what the hell happened. I guess um, everything was just trying to screw with me. Um, Halloween, instead of getting a treat to do a podcast, I was getting tricked massively. So hopefully that's behind me. Um, But yeah, um, you know, Andrew, you know my family. We're like Christmaholics or whatever. So we already put up some of our Christmas decorations. I already started that up, and uh, yeah, it, it, it's Christmas time in my household right now. As soon as as soon as it hits November first, bam, everything gets taken down. Snowflake, Santa, everything else gets sent back up. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I know. Uh, this week, this week's looking pretty good for for us as well. We're uh, we're getting some Christmas uh, Christmas gifts ordered for the little man. Uh, looking at some mini stick nets for the basement the man cave is going to turn into a hockey arena and there you go um looking hopefully maybe at some skates for him uh, again he's only 18 months old uh in two weeks now so uh getting him on skates is a little a little bit of a question mark still but uh we'll see what happens i will hopefully take, sorry go ahead i was just about to say hopefully he turns out as good as ov jr now oh, so, uh sergey he was on the ice they posted a video and he's already taking snipes buddy we're gonna be ripping clappers from the top of the circle in no time i can guarantee hey. that i can't i can't wait Perfect. until we get to dissect sergey ovechkin's nhl debut on episode 748 of sticks in the six <laughs> yeah. down the line sergey yeah, no versus going Sergei for his dad's versus... record forbes forbes will have the full gray beard by then <laughs> my, my stash will be starting my stash will be starting to turn gray <laughs> provided we do this in november because oh, you won't yeah. see me with a stash any other time. So Sergey Ovechkin versus Oakley Forbes. That's right. That? That's right. Those are some hockey be... names right there, boys. Yeah. Oakley Remember them. Forbes. Remember them yeah. for the future. If you're okay, if your kid ever gets to the point where he's playing in the NHL, though, I think you gotta maybe don't force him, but like you gotta strongly encourage that he just shortens his name to Oak. Oak Forbes. Oh yeah. It's just got oh, such yeah. a great, such a great feel to it when you say it. Like yeah, I, I say that. Yeah, I say that name, and I picture like, yeah, this is a, this is without a doubt a star hockey player. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, boys. Um, yeah, no, it's gonna be, uh, it, it'll be a fun ride. I, I'm like, like you said, I'm not gonna pressure pressure mm-hmm. him into anything, but uh, if he's already picking up the stick, it's it's time to get things going. We got uh, we got about sixteen and a half years to go before draft day, so um, <laughs> we gotta we gotta figure things out here. But no, it's uh, you. Peter, you know, last year I was pretty adamant about, uh, you know, talking about Remembrance Day and and it's coming up mm. this week. And um, although Oakville won't be having a parade again this year, I'm going to be taking my my son down for the first time to uh, visit his great-grandfather's grave, something that I nice. do on a yearly basis. Again, didn't do it last year, obviously, with COVID, uh, all, the, all the COVID craziness that was going on. So... Uh, we'll be taking him down this year and, and my dad marches. My dad was a firefighter, so he always marches with them. And, and uh, yeah, it should be a good time. He'll get to meet some family that he hasn't met yet. So beautiful. Um, yeah. Good it's that. always a nice, nice time. Lay, lay the poppy at the, uh, at the cenotaph and, and uh, remember why we are here. So uh, I'm Absolutely. sure we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit next week as well, but Boys, we have a lot to talk about in Leafland this week, and and we're gonna open the show with Leaf Talk. Obviously, no guests this week, so more time to hear our our crazy voices and our crazy takes. But, um, 
I want to start it off with the week that was. So I, we all went into this week kind of contemplating what the future of the Maple Leafs was going to hold this season. And, you know, you had Boston and Tampa and Vegas all, all you know, on the, on the schedule this week. And we could have easily come out with an 0-3 record. Uh, from the week and and really fall to the bottom of that Atlantic division with all due respect to the Ottawa Senators and the Montreal Canadiens. Um, but instead, the Leafs came out 3-0, and uh, including a shutout for Jack of Campbell. Of course. And yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> a big 2-1 victory uh, in overtime as well. And then slayed the dragon of in, in some way against Boston, although Tuka Rask wasn't the guy in net. Um, Alex, I'm going to throw it to you quickly. What was your takeaway from, you know, maybe the three games as a whole um, against teams that should be contenders this year and the Leafs came out on the winning end? You guys could think of one thing that we probably said once on every single pod we've recorded since late August and every single article that the three of us have written between us and every, every podcast, every, anytime you had a chance to talk about the Leafs in any way, shape or form, if you could think of one thing that we've said the most since last year's playoffs, the Leafs are there at their best when their stars freaking show up. And that is my main takeaway from this week. I mean, Marner, Matthews, and Tavares are the three guys that were getting scrutinized the most for kind of falling, falling, coming up short on the on the score sheet there. And I mean, you look at Matthews, four goals, two assists, six points in his last three games. Marner's got eleven points in his past five games. Johnny T's riding a five-game point streak, and he's got nine points throughout that span. And to back it all up, Campbell's been incredible between the pipes. So you know, this is just this is a team that's clicking. In every aspect, they've got, I mean, you know, there's, that's not to say that there's not improvements to be made. I know that Tampa game was pretty close, but again, Tampa Bay is the recurring cup champion. So I think it was a very encouraging week, given what we've, what we've seen lately from this team. And by lately, I mean, like throughout the first month of the season, I mean, um, and the, another takeaway I've got actually is the fact that the power play has just been looking normal for once it's been looking like how you'd expect this team's power play to look and I wrote a takeaways piece about the Bruins game and in it I was saying that you know for a team that brands themselves as a high skill offensively driven team your power play has to be one of your best assets your your power your power play has to be a weapon and you have to have it working for you because if not it kind of defeats the whole purpose of what your team's built for so I think it was very encouraging to see them kind of turn it around and um, lots of great things so far. You love to see Marner getting his confidence back. Yeah. You love to see Johnny T looking like he is again. And you love to see Austin Matthews taking shots. Like he's never even had wrist surgery before. So all, all in all very successful week. Yeah, no. And, and a great tweet from uh, Chris Johnston uh, during the Boston game, the last 13 goals by the yeah. Leafs, Tavares, Marner, Marner, Matthews, Matthews, Nylander, Tavares, Nylander, Tavares, Matthews, Matthews, Tavares, Marner. So kind of to your point, Alex, and that, you know, this team is going to go exactly how its stars go. And to have them score the last 13 goals, I mean, yeah, it's great to have your secondary scoring there when you need it. But at this point in time, the Leafs need to see something from their primary scorers and, and they got exactly that. So Peter, from the, these this past week, the three games, obviously against three contending teams, three contending teams that have struggled to start the year. Um, what are you? What are your thoughts coming out of the week? 
Yeah, I mean, you, you just mentioned it. Three contending teams that have had their similar issues, similar to that of the Maple Leafs, right? I mean, Vegas down, you know, Mark Stowe, Max Pacioretty, William Carlson, um, Alex Tuck before he got traded, and now Jack Eichel's coming back and he's still injured. Granted, uh, this happened before the trade. Um, Tampa Bay Lightning without Nikita Kucherov, although they still have mainly their full roster intact. Boston without Tukaras, but again, roster still fully intact. If there is one thing that I, I'm going to take away from this, or one or two things, it's that, and I wrote, and I got a piece coming out very shortly, um, is that they're able to keep up with the best. No matter what the situation is, no matter what situation is in front of them, they're able to have the drive, to have the determination and play with a sense of purpose, no matter who their opponent is. And I think that's what's been missing for the longest time with this team. Um, I, I, and I'm good. And everyone is going to say, Oh, you know, they're going to throw, probably throw in my face that Vegas didn't have their full roster. Um, they, uh, Tampa Bay was without Kucherov and, you know, um, I'm just going to say this before the injuries happened with Vegas, they were still kind of struggling. They were still kind of up in the air, um, dealing with some ups and downs, kind of like Colorado and every other team to start the season. You want to take advantage of that situation because let's face it, what happened a few weeks ago with the Maple Leafs going into Pittsburgh without Crosby, Malkin, Rust, Carter, Latang, they lost 7-1. And, and and it seemed like, you know, there was a second chance to redeem a loss that should have been a win, and it was presented to them in perfect fashion. And they took advantage of that. They had a dominant outing from beginning to end. That was a full 60-minute hockey game where they, like, I, I can't remember the last time they had that kind of an effort for three periods straight. And the resiliency showed against the Tampa Bay lightning, you know, down one, nothing tried to claw their way back. It was a grinded out kind of hockey game. And then they took advantage of two mistakes by Victor Hedman, one of the clearing attempts leading to the Tavares goal. And then they made him pay on the power play after that slash on the, on the Tavares breakaway. So the fact that they were able to still stay in there, found a way to win shows their resiliency. And John Cooper said that, you know, um, we didn't feel like we lost to the Maple Leafs. We beat ourselves. Yeah, I can see that. But at the same time, give credit where, credit's due, where credit is due. You know, they're a good team. Good teams find a way to win. And the fact that they beat out this back-to-back Stanley Cup champs and a massive duel between Campbell and Vasilevsky says a lot. And yeah, he, you also alluded to the demons kind of being slayed with the Boston Bruins. I mean, I, 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 let's reserve that for the playoffs if and when that ever does happen again. I don't think we want to. And I can see Alex just being like, yeah, no, don't put me through that pain and misery again. But no, um, please don't. <laughs> None but, of that. But this was a team where, you know, Boston was firing on all cylinders. You know, they were physical. We know they were going to lay the body. We know Brad Marchand was going to be a huge thorn in the sides. And we saw Jake Muzzin full, go on full on beast mode and attack mode where he just didn't give a crap about what was happening. And they matched the intensity. Again, down one nothing, clawed their way back with four straight goals. Things were getting a little bit dicey when Boston peppered them with 23 shots in that third period. Jack Campbell stood on his head. He was an outlet for them. And then they got the insurance marker from Tavares from, um, from Marner on the assist from Tavares. So 
that was like a win where things were getting dicey, but they didn't fully panic in a way that we would normally see them and it would end up in a massive loss and or a massive collapse in a regular season game. So the fact that they showed some resiliency, they showed the willpower, they showed the strength, they took advantage of opportunities that was, or opportunity that was presented to them where, you know, teams were having their own misfortunes. They were having their own troubles. They took advantage of that. And that's what you want to see with this team. Take advantage of major opportunities that are presented to them because no wins are going to be easy. And we found that out this week that there were some difficult times and they managed to come out on top. So those are my takeaways from this week. Worth noting that the Leafs improved to 36-2-3 when both Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner score in a game. That's following the Boston game. Um, But I, I also wanted to note that I think for me, the win against Boston, it showed a lot of character in terms of Simmons had his best game of the year. I think Andre Kasha had his best game of the year. And I think Timothy Lilligren is really, really, uh, you know, going, getting into, into place in, in that lineup. Like he's really starting to, to come into his own. And I think that was his best game of the year as well. Looked poised and made some, some great plays in the defensive zone. Um, didn't panic, didn't throw the puck up the, up the middle of the ice. He just and him and be... Sandine played a, quite a bit against that Bergeron line too. At they times. did. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you brought up Andre Kasha because the whole game yesterday, I was thinking that him and David comps together are going to be so crucial down the stretch yeah. for this team, provided Andre Kasha can stay healthy because he's, he's had some issues with that in the past. But uh, I think his, I think his, presence on the penalty kill yesterday was wicked i think he did mm-hmm. a great job of putting pressure on the opponents and you know it seemed like every time the Leafs ended up clearing the puck when he was on the ice he would make it twice as difficult for them to re-enter uh, re- uh to cross center ice again let alone re-enter the zone right so you know we we haven't really seen a lot of offensive production from Andre kasha so far but i am more than okay with that i think him and him and conf on that third line are looking like a real uh, shutdown duo for the bottom six. And I think that, you know, it's really, they're, it, it, they're really uh, making a name for themselves as kind of like the bona fide checking line that you see on a lot of teams. So I've been very impressed with those two so far. I was going to say too, I think the thing is, you know, we, we talk a lot, a lot about why Kasha gets injured. I mean, that guy flies around the ice. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen speed like that on the Leafs since like Michael Grabner where like he almost, he had all the tools, but no toolbox where he could, you know, he, he could fly down the ice, get breakaways and, and just didn't have the hands to put it in. But Kashi does seem to have those, those tools that he can utilize if he were to get in alone. And it's just a matter of time before he, he kind of gets, you know, that offensive presence going again. I mean, we're talking about a 20 goal scorer. Um, yeah. He's a guy that can seriously put the, the puck in the net. It's just, finding that confidence and you're in a new team, you're building chemistry. And we talked about that, you know, over the past couple of episodes, it's, it takes that, it takes time to do that. Right. So I'm excited to see what he can do. I, I I'm also glad that Peter, you brought up Muzzin because there's a lot of people that have been kind of ripping on Muzzin for making mistakes early in the season. And a lot of that had to do, in my opinion, playing with Justin Hall. Yeah. Um, but the thing is Muzzin's kind of that gritty kind of veteran, leader on the back end and you're talking about a guy that right now sits second on the team and hits behind Nick Ritchie uh he's had 24 hits 18 block shots 
Um, he's a guy that's willing to lay the body on the line. And yeah, his numbers aren't exactly impressive in terms of like the minus seven rating. Um, but again, that, that came from an early season struggle where the whole team was, was not playing well. And, and unfortunately he was kind of a guy that, um, you know, took the brunt of the, of the statistical side of that. So uh, I'm, I think Muzzin, the way that he's, he's played over the last week, he showed a little bit more resilient resiliency um, since, you know, losing Hall as a partner. And, and uh, I think moving forward, he's a guy that definitely is going to add something to this lineup as well. So um, yeah, I mean, this, this, this team has come, you know, turned the corner a little bit um, and uh, it, it's been good to see, but I'm curious your thoughts on, on, on Jack Campbell, Peter, because he's a guy that uh, obviously is due for a new contract in, in the upcoming off season. Uh, he's, he's probably looking at a, a pretty significant pay raise, but not only that, his numbers seem to be just, I, I just as impressive as they were last year. And I wrote an article about how last year wasn't a fluke. Is this a guy that deserves you know, the kind of money that you saw like an Anderson get this, this off season, um, you know, obviously he's top five in, in some statistical categories. So what are your thoughts on Jack Campbell moving forward? Um, let's face it. He is going to earn more than just the 1.6 that he has right now. 1.65. I mean, th- th- there's no other way around it. Whether that number is going to start with a four or five, it's going to be debatable. But if they're able to get him long-term, maybe sign him for maybe five years at maybe four or five million, I think that's going to be extremely valuable. Um, again, I don't know what the negotiations are going to be like, um, considering that it really hasn't started, although it's been back and forth saying that, yes, it has, no, it hasn't. Um, so let's hope that everything's going well in that regards. Um I do want to say that you mentioned his production and his numbers. I mean, it's off the charts right now. He's in the top 10 in save percentage with 0.936. His goals against average is fifth overall at 1.88. And this is for uh, goalies with games played of at least five games. And to me, you see, like we saw him play last year, like, you know, he was a little like when he was on his game, he was on his game. When he was hard on, on himself, you saw him start to struggle and start to panic. You didn't, you don't see that this year. It seems like he has a whole different mentality that, you know, he's, he's being relied on by the, his teammates, the team management, and everybody to try and lead the charge. And the fact that he's putting up these ridiculous numbers is a good sign that maybe he is capable of assuming the starter role and proving that last year was not a fluke. Because let's face it, a lot of people were saying that, oh, you know, is Jack Campbell going to reproduce or, or replicate his season last year with the numbers that he had? It's looking like it. I mean, the record is there, uh, six, two and one already. And I just mentioned off the numbers right now. And it's, I want to say that he, even when things may get a little bit dicey, he's not getting hard on himself. And I think that's a big factor because once you start to like doubt yourself, that's when the negativity and all the negative thoughts start coming in. He's obviously, we know him as a positive influence and a positive attitude on and off the ice, no matter what. I mean, 
just today someone asked him about what his favorite activity is he said snorkeling and he said someone asked why and he's just like well because it's relaxing and it's fun like that's a good mindset i mean yeah random answer but wouldn't you want to have someone have a fun answer like that he's having fun with this he's having fun off the ice he's having fun on the ice and that's a big step going forward because this team values him and it's showing on the on the ice or it's showing from what we're seeing because let's face it he's already the early box for the early, for the team's MVP early on I mean you can make a case for William Nylander as well but let's face it they wouldn't be where they're at right now without Jack Campbell and his stellar play so I'm hoping that the uh, going back to the original topic, I kind of got off topic there, but the original question at hand for like the contract, I hope it goes smoothly and I hope it's around four or five because you don't want to jump the gun on it because of the fact that, okay, he, okay. Two good seasons back to back. Great. You don't want to overpay for, for short-term success just in case things don't go as well as you had thought down the line because we saw what happened with Anderson three great years and then start to tail off at years two or uh, years four and five so you want to make sure you don't have that same situation again but I, I think with his play and his attitude I think maybe it may not be a detriment I think it's going to work out well in the end Alex, 29 years old. He's played 10 of 12 games so far for the Leafs with a 6-2-1 record, 188 goals against, 936 save percentage. Do you see them going four to five years? I know I know you tweeted out, uh, I believe it was earlier today, maybe yesterday, that you know he's, he's handled the workload really well so far this season. But is this a guy that you want to sign to that five-year deal? Or are you looking at maybe a three – three, maybe four-year deal for a guy that's already at, you know, 29 years old? That's a really tough call to make. And I think a lot of it would depend on what Campbell wants, truthfully. Because I'm not saying give him a, give him a blank check, because like Peter said, you know, he, he's been great ever since he got to Toronto. But his injury history has always been a concern. Mm-hmm. And he's always – sort of had that in the in in his back pocket something that sort of held him back in the past so i i think the leafs would want to see how he handles a full season before they offer him a long-term deal like four to five million but you know if campbell keeps playing the way he is i kind of want to lock him up as long as we as long as the leafs can and you know if they can get him on a four to five year deal let's say four million or something like peter was saying and he keeps putting up performances like this that's easily going to become the biggest steal in the league mm-hmm. and you just got to hope that the whole i won't call it a hometown discount because he's he's only really been here for less than 82 games honestly um so it's hard to call it a hometown discount but you do hope it's one of those scenarios where you know campbell sees how much the city loves him you know he's getting the soup chance after every single big save he makes <laughs> in front of the fans and the, you know, the players can't say enough about him. The coaches can't say enough about him. Everybody in Toronto loves Jack Campbell. So you, you just hope it's one of those situations where he recognizes that and he takes a bit of a cut to stay here. Um, and provided he keeps playing the way he is obviously. So um, I think, I, I think it's the most impressive part about all this by far has been like you mentioned, Mike, the, tweet that I sent out earlier I mean you know heading into this season you've got Campbell and you've got Peter Morazic and the expectation is that both of these guys are going to split the games and kind of take challenge each other but at the same time take off take some of the workload or take some of the weight off of each other's chests 
And, you know, with Morazic facing these early injury issues with his groin, Jack Campbell's been filling in the role of that starting goalie incredibly. I mean, you're looking at a guy who's – he's past the point now of posting good numbers. Like, he, like, we can come out and say he's been posting elite numbers ever since he got to Toronto, essentially. So, you know, for him to be doing that and not the pace that he's doing it, I mean, he's starting the amount of games as Freddie Anderson did throughout his five years in Toronto. So, um, I've been – it's been very impressive to me. And, you know, it's tough. Like I said, it's tough to say what I'd give him right now or what I'd offer him in terms of term. I think I'd have to see a full season out of him. But at the same time, I mean – if he keeps playing the way he is, I, I think you got to go longer term. Yeah, I, I mean, it's interesting because a lot of the contracts we see now are front-loaded to the point where, like, you know, in years four or five, maybe even six, you can kind of buy them out and, you know, you're not paying a huge, huge dollar amount. Um but I mean, yeah, I think I I think you're both spot on. I think he's a guy that's proven himself since he's come to the Leafs. Um, he's now, I believe, twenty six seven and four as a Maple Leafs uh, as a Maple Leafs goaltender. So I mean, those numbers are pretty incredible in themselves. Um, but he's he's a guy that's really done the job that he's been asked to do, plus some. I mean, came in when Anderson went down last season, and and really was the the all-star the the mvp of that of that year aside from austin matthews um comes in this year expecting to split time as you mentioned he's likely going to play probably 50 to 60 games this season based on what he's done so far this year and then some considering that the leafs will say now might make playoffs um but the fact is like he's you know he's he's like 29 years old goaltenders tend to develop at a, at an older age. Um, you know, does he have five years left in him? Maybe at 34, maybe they buy him out. He's a plays a backup role. That's a possibility as well as seeing as, you know, Toronto's obviously got like Shalgren in, in waiting in the winds. They've got uh, Joseph wall as well. Who's, who's a guy that, you know, he's been kind of hot and cold uh, over his stint with the Marlies as well. So, you know, there is opportunity there, but I think if the right dollar amount comes along, he's there, you know, there's an opportunity to sign him to a five, six year deal, knowing damn well that this cap is going to go up at some point as well. And, and, you know, it, as you said, Alex, it could end up being a steal down the road. So um, yeah, I think he's more than deserved it. And I believe it was uh Sid Sixero that said, you know, he better wake up tomorrow with a, with a contract extension because the way he's played over the last week has just been incredible. So hopefully it'll be like a Morgan Riley where we see a little bit of that as, you know, not a hometown discount, but, you know, a willingness to stay with the team knowing what their cap situation is. And, um, you know, it'd be nice to see uh, Jack Campbell uh, enjoy those soup calls for a little while longer in a Toronto uniform. Um, Especially after the save that he made against Braden Point. Like, that was just absolutely insane. And the whole entire arena was buzzing after that point. And that kind of, like, got the ball rolling for the Maple Leafs. So if there's any point where the Maple Leafs need a confidence boost on ice, they're going to get it from Jack Campbell, make it a huge save like that. And he's done that consistently last season and early on here. So... The fact that he made that save, the fact that he made countless huge saves against the Boston Bruins, I think one of them was against uh, – he, he there was a pad save towards the end of the period, and I can't remember who. I think maybe it was Charlie Coyle. 
I think it but was the one where he made three or four pad saves with that's the, the left one. pad late in the, late in the period. That's the one. And he, if he makes saves like that, I mean, you can't help but think that, you know, this is your guy going forward. You need to sign him long-term. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And especially knowing what your kind of goaltending history has been uh, might be the best uh, best option moving forward. But um, sticking with their goaltending for, for a minute here, Peter Mrazek, it was reported he's going to be out for four weeks dealing with the same groin injury that uh, kind of cost them an early early part of the season here as well. Um, is is this an opportunity, Alex, you, you mentioned in a tweet as well that maybe it's an opportunity to get Shalgren up there and see if, you know, maybe he can kind of stick as well. Is this an opportunity for, for Shalgren or, or are we looking at maybe a Michael Hutchison situation again? Obviously, you know, he'd have to go the whole waivers route. My brain says Michael Hutchinson, but my heart says Eric Shalgren. I love it. I love um, it. You know, <laughs> You, that's a good point, though, that you bring up the whole waivers thing because I think may, I think the Leafs are kind of at a point where they like Hutchinson where he is kind of, you know, serving as that veteran mentor to guys like Shogren and uh, uh, Joseph Wall. So in that sense, you know, maybe, maybe Hutchinson won't necessarily be the guy that the Leafs give the call. Uh, having said that, I would really, really like to see Eric Shogren get a shot. I mean – Joseph Wall, like you said, has been kind of up and down in the AHL. And Shalgren was incredible in Sweden last year. He was the goalie, starting goalie for the championship winning Vaxjul Lakers, uh, teammate of Pontus Holmberg, fellow Leafs prospect. And his numbers in the playoffs are just outstanding. And so far, I think he's had a bad start here and there, but I, I think so far in the Mar with the Marlies, he's been pretty consistent. So um, you know, if you're gonna if there's any time to see what you have in a guy like that, because God forbid we find the, like the Leafs find themselves at a point where Jack Campbell and Peter Morazic are injured. Right. You know, I mean, we, no one wants to imagine that being a scenario, but Jack Campbell has injury concerns as well. Like it's not just a Morazic thing. So if that would ever come, the Leafs would have to run a tandem of Michael Hutchinson and one of Wall or, or Shogren. And uh, I think at that point, there's no better time than, now to see what the Leafs have in a guy like Shogren. I'd like to see him get that second start or the start in the second half of the back-to-back against Buffalo. I think it would be really beneficial for him and uh, good for the Leafs to see what they have in him. In the six yeah. games that Shogren has played or started um, for the Marlies, four out of those six, he's had a save percentage over 920. One, that's, he that, had... That's encouraging. He had uh, 0.857 uh, <laughs> against the Manitoba Moose, uh, uh, basically in the second game, and then 0.429 where he allowed four goals on seven shots. Um, obviously, again, like you mentioned, Alex, some ups and downs, but you know when he's on his game, he's on his game. I was going to say, remember too, he's getting used to a new ice surface. Obviously, playing. Uh, in Europe last year versus uh, North America this year, but mm-hmm. overall three and two in six games with a 282 goals against and a 910 save percentage, it's not it's not a te- you know those aren't terrible numbers those those are numbers of a guy that has the potential to to do something in his career. So um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I'd like to see him get get the call, even just play a game and and you know see what he he can offer you. Um, you know, hell, give give Joseph Wall an opportunity as well and see what he can do. Um, I, I, I'm kind of on the same wavelength as you in terms of, you know, keep Hutch where he is and, and, you know, let him be that veteran guy. He's obviously shown over a number of opportunities at the NHL level that, 
you know, maybe, maybe, maybe the NHL is not where he needs to be. And, and that's all right too. That's all right to keep him, keep him where he is and be that kind of go-to veteran mentorship. So um, quickly, Peter, what are your thoughts on, on the goaltending situation in Toronto with Morazic out four weeks? Yeah, this is not ideal considering the fact that, you know, when Peter Morazic is on his game, he's, he's a damn good goaltender. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Um, especially with his time with the Carolina Hurricanes over the past few seasons. He's been unbelievable. Um, last season, he only played in 12 games because he's dealt, he dealt with a thumb, a thumb injury that required surgery. And I believe after he came back, he got injured again. So obviously when you were signing him, the injuries were a concern, but maybe you thought that it was kind of behind him. Um, but now we're seeing that right now where it's now, you know, you got like a one B one B kind of backup goaltender with 3.8 million on injured reserve right now for, and he's only played in two games. Granted he there, uh, there were times where he looked really good in those games. It was against Ottawa and the Detroit Red Wings. Um, but yeah, that's uh, it's again, it's not an ideal situation right now. And Obviously, they would want him to have more than just two games played. Um, considering the fact that they re-aggravated the same groin injury from before, obviously, the Maple Leafs coaching staff or medical staff would not have cleared him if he wasn't ready. But it's just very unfortunate that it's the same injury, same t- same situation that it had to happen to him. And, you know, it, it, it's back to square one like last season. You know, what's going to happen with the – who's going to be the backup to the starter? Granted, um, you know, you have some options right now with Wall, Hutchison, and Chalgren. Do you Are, are you going to have confidence in them to try and carry the load and try and carry and play some of the games that was supposed to be slated for Morazic, especially in back-to-back situations? Or maybe if it's a stretch of like 12 games – Campbell's playing four or five, maybe give him an off night, no matter what. Um, they, they, they have time to figure things out and, and it's four weeks from Morazic. So he's going to be back by the time it's December or towards the end of the month, December. So it's not majorly long-term, but you know, November, I mean, from here on out, it's the games are important. Um, I, I, I just hope that whoever they put into that backup role, the consistency is going to be there and they have the confidence because this is, this, this is an important situation and an important position right now that, you know, they're back at square one from where they were last year, except this uh, with Frederick Anderson, David Riddick, Michael Hutchison, it's now Hutchison, Shalgren, Morazic, and you know, who's going to jump in. This is anybody's game right now and they need to figure it out as soon as possible. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think at this point, like uh, we, as you mentioned, we kind of knew the injury situation coming in. It was the same thing we talked about in our season previews when we talked about Carolina and their in, their injury situations when it came to goaltenders. And now look at them with Anti Ranta absolutely getting uh, mm-hmm. wrecked um, in in the game against uh, Florida, I believe it was. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it's down to Freddie now in in. Uh, Kind of, kind of fitting. It's down to Freddie in Carolina. It's down to Jack Campbell now in in Toronto. So 
Um, but I, I do think Campbell's stepped up in the situation that he needs to. Uh, I think it's it. This offers up a, a great opportunity for one of the young guys to come up and, and get some games played. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens because it is, it is still early in the season. But as we know um, from from seasons past, every point counts, and the Leafs need every single point that they can get right now. So um, the the D market in Toronto. Um, it's getting very interesting because there's a lot of talk about Travis Dermott. Uh, you know, we met, we talked about it a little bit in, in uh, the preseason interview with, with Mark masters. Um, could he be a possibility that goes, but then we have Justin Hall now, who's been a healthy scratch multiple times over the last few games and moving forward, it looks like he is going to remain a healthy scratch with the way that Timothy Lilgren and Rasmus Sandin have both fit into the lineup. So there is rumors out there that the, the Toronto Maple Leafs are shopping a defenseman. Um, obviously names are swirling. We love, we love the rumor mill. We love the smoke and the fire that come with, with trade rumors. But Peter, what are your thoughts on the possibility of one or maybe two of these guys possibly getting shipped out of town? I, it, it needs to happen because you got a log jam, right? log jam right now where especially you have one player who's been in the minors for so long making an impact and he's looking really well and very comfortable at the NHL level and Timothy Lilligren like you mentioned that off the top of the show Andrew um so now with him coming in making the name that he did during the preseason obviously Sheldon Keefe wanted you mentioned also that he wanted to see some more out and some more consistency out of someone like Travis Dermott who whose job was in jeopardy at, at, at that point. And then, you know, he starts off at, on the third pairing, Justin Hall, slow start, gets taken out of the lineup, Dermot moves up in the lineup, and then now you have Timothy Lilligren as your third pairing. And obviously the chemistry that we've seen with him and Sandine in the past with the Toronto Marlies, obviously they were going to connect right away. Um, did I think that they would have this much success early on? Probably not, but I would have been optimistic to see that and we're seeing them reap the rewards right now and them benefiting from the development of timothy lilligren long term um so now that just leaves dermot and hall and who are you going to decide on who to move and with both players it's an interesting case because you could get a high return in travis dermot who's still young and hasn't reached his potential but teams value that you know puck moving defenseman, shot generation, uh, analytics, because he's he, he has solid numbers, solid underlying numbers in that regard. But Justin Hall, you know, he's he may not provide as much value because of his cap hit. Well, not necessarily his cap hit. It's not ma- major, but, you know, for like a seven-string D-man, two, $2 million, that might not necessarily throw teams off, but, you know, it's something to consider. You're probably going to get more value in a trade with Dermot than you would with Justin Hall. Then again, if you move Justin Hall, it's just going to be for cap reasons and freeing up more cap, uh, more money at your disposable for maybe an even another deal down the line. And it's interesting because Darren Drager mentioned, uh, there was a tweet from this account, NHL Watcher, and he mentioned that uh, Darren Drager said that if the Maple Leafs trade a defenseman right now our teams are acquiring about him about them 
then the price is going to be extremely high. So you're looking at a really good return, no matter what the player or status of that player is at this point. So whatever the best deal is for Travis Dermott or Justin Hall, if it's a depth defenseman and a second round pick, I'm just throwing out, you know, obscure situations right now. You take the best deal available because you don't know what you're going to get later on. So you have to consider all options. Are you going to do a move based on cap with Justin Hall and move is 2 million, or are you going to try and do a move to get best return possible on top of what Darren Drager reported in Travis Thurman? But either way, you're going to get a good return no matter what, if teams are willing to pay a high price right now. So, and not only that, you also have to look at the forward situation too, not just on D, but like what's going to happen when Ilya Mikheyev comes back. Are you going to have to make another move to make room for him? Are you going to move a Pierre Engvall? Are you going to try and maybe move a Nick Ritchie? Um, it's, 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 it's interesting moves right now, but because the defense is the main focus, um, you know, you don't want to see it, but it needs to happen at some point. Alex, do you, uh, do you foresee Dermot or Hall being shipped out? Is it part of a package deal or are we looking at possibly just, you know, the Leafs making some cap friendly moves? Um, you know, it's, if I, first of all, it's impossible for me to try and predict what Kyle Dubas is thinking and who we'd rather keep between Hall and Dermot because he doesn't let anything, you know, tell me where, tell me who the fuck saw that Morgan Riley contract coming. Right. So I have no, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to try and pretend to act like I know who uh, Dubas would prefer to keep or anything like that, regardless of what people in the media say. But if I'm Kyle Dubas, I'm personally looking for a trade for Justin Hall. Uh, before Travis Dermott, just because I, I look at the conversation that uh, Dermott had with Sheldon Keefe at the start of the year, and Keefe was straight up with him and said, listen, like, we got three guys battling for that last spot. I'm going to need you to take a step here if you want to maintain a full-time spot on this roster. And he's gone ahead and done just that. So I think Dermott's been playing some great hockey this year. And while you could get a better return for him than I, than I think you could for Hall, like Peter said, you're moving Justin Hall for the cap relief, and I think that enough is a good return. Having that cap relief and having the extra, the extra leg room to, uh, to, make a, to make a trade for an impact player at the deadline or something along the lines of that. And I think I, I, I may have said this last week, I, or I may have said this on a previous episode. I can't remember when. I, I do a lot of talking about the Leafs. <laughs> but um, I, if the Leafs were to move on from Justin Hall – I think you've got a guy in the minors in Alex Biega who is used to playing that kind of a seventh defenseman role. And if one of the defensemen goes down, you've got Biega who can slide into a a bottom pairing role, just like he's done in the past with Vancouver. He's done in the past with Detroit. And then when the trade deadline comes around, these depth defensemen are a dime a dozen and for they're, they're, they're all available for a cheap price. So the Leafs could easily just drop a fifth or a sixth round pick on someone like a, like a Ben Hutton kind of like they did last year and just, bring in a guy who you may feel a little more comfortable using as your seventh defenseman compared to a guy like Biega. So um, I think Lilligren has played himself onto the roster. There's no question about that. And I think also by trading Hall, you're opening up a spot on the top four, um, sorry, in the top four on the right side for Timothy Lilligren eventually. And if he keeps playing the way that he is, you know, I don't see why that's not the Leafs second pairing sooner rather than later. So that, that that's kind of what I'm seeing right now. And 
I think just getting rid of the cap, the cap space that Justin Hall carries with him um, would be enough of a, for me to make a move. Granted, I'm not going to go ahead and do that if it's just if it, just for the purpose of making a trade. But at the same time, you don't want to see Hall and his $2 million wasting away on the bench game after game. And it's yeah. noteworthy to say that, you know, with Dermot going out or being game-time decision after blocking that shot, they called up Christian's Rubens. And Sheldon Keith raved about his maturity and his development and just how, how much poise he has with the puck as well. So the fact that they were able to call him up and then I'll bite brief short time and then send it back down because Dermot was ready to play. I, I, I think they have some confidence in him. They wouldn't have possibly given him that shot if they didn't believe that he had some sort of value to them. And given the fact that he's even as a young player, He's played at the pro level, uh, at the senior level in the World Hockey Championships with Latvia. And now he's already part of the top three players of their team heading for the Olympics. It says a lot about his character as well and his, and, and his development as well, that they have faith in him. So I, 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 he's another name that I would look out for, even along with uh, uh, Alex Biega as well. Yeah, no, I, I think when it comes to the Leafs defense, they need to move Hall because as, as you mentioned, Alex, having 2 million, like that's kind of waste away in the press box is not, not helping the, the team at all. Um, but I do think it's going to be part of a bigger deal because as you mentioned, Peter, at, at some point, Ilya Mikheyev is going to come back. Um, at some point, the Leafs do have to recognize what Josh Hosang is doing with the Marlies and there's no room right now on that roster. So I, I could see them maybe packaging Hall with, you know, uh, Pierre Engvall or, or yeah. Nick Ritchie or, you know, even possibly an Alex Kerfoot. If that, if that you know, mm-hmm. if a deal opens up for that in, in finding, you know, maybe a small return in the future, uh, like future assets to get a guy like Josh Hosang into the lineup or to get a guy like Ilya Mikheyev back in the lineup, or maybe they move it Ilya Mikheyev. Cause I mean, there's a guy that, you know, prior to the season had requested a trade out of town. So, yeah, I mean, there's lots of opportunity there, but I do think it's going to be part of a bigger deal. Um, did you, either of you want to mention anything about Josh Hosang before we move on from this? Um, one thing that I will say about him is that, I think he's going to end up with the least at some point this year, but after seeing his, what he's been able to do so far this year and kind of reading, I, I know my buddy, Nick Barden, who uh, hopefully we're going to get for an interview at some point here on sticks and the six. He's like, he's a good buddy of mine. He's uh, doing some great work covering the Toronto Marlies this year for the Leafs nation. And he did a sit, he had a, an interview with Josh Hosang. And one of the things that he cited about Hosang is that, he is not overly concerned with making the NHL right now. I mean, obviously he wants to be on, he wants to be in the NHL. I don't know why you'd sign a contract if you're, you don't have a goal of, you know, making it to the highest level, but that's not his main concern right now. I think the way that his tenure ended in, in Long Island there, I think sort of added to him just wanting to, you know, play and have fun and be himself and he's kind of getting to do that with the Marlies and right now like you guys have been saying the Leafs don't necessarily have a spot on their roster for Josh Hosang as it stands and I think that's something that'll benefit both him and the Leafs because I think it gives the Leafs enough time to make a couple roster moves to figure out what they're going to do to open up a spot for him eventually and obviously provided he keeps producing the way he is and having said that 
I do think that at some point this year, regardless, he is going to get up with the Maple Leafs because, you know, we, we hear so much about this mindset and how everybody's got to buy in and how everybody's got to, you know, have this drive to win and the willingness to play for the, the crest on the jersey and play for each other. And Josh Hosang embodies that to a T. I mean, you hear how great, how gracious he's been towards Dubas and Sheldon Keefe and how much he loves Toronto. And, you know, you got to have guys who are willing to, who are willing to play for that. So I, 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 I think that the time will come. I know a couple of weeks ago, I made a tweet saying I wanted him to be up by mid-November and it's obviously not looking like that's quite going to happen, but you know, whether it's in December, whether it's in the new year, whether it's, whether it's later on in March after the trade deadline, I don't know when Hosang is going to be up, but I know it will, he, it will be eventually at some point this year. I was going to say, Alex, I think, you know, he's kind of like that guy that they could add as a late addition um, kind of like an Alex Galchenyuk last year, but with a little more upside, um, you know, come in around the, around the trade deadline and be that, that in-house ad that they can, they can provide the, the roster with a little boost um, and, and be there, you know, come playoff time to, to really add that uh, depth scoring for, for the Leafs offense. But mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. I think he's a guy that they need to get up there. Um, like you mentioned, he's, He's a, he's a player that just, you know, wants to go out there and have fun and, and show show the skill that he has. And I know, I mean, just from covering this kid from when he was drafted, I mean, he, the skill level this kid has, the, the self-preservation and the, and the, you know, faith within himself that he has, um, that's what's going to drive him to the point that he will get another NHL contract, whether it be with the Leafs this season or uh, with another team, you know, heading into next year. But um, yeah, I'd like to see him in blue and white at some point. And, and, and I think, you know, there's a part of him that would love to be, you know, in blue and white as well, being that it's, you know, the hometown team. So it'll be exciting to see what he can do. Um, I am going to close out the Maple Leaf talk with one tweet that I saw earlier today from grins above and uh, the tweet was a picture of Jesus with uh, Dubis's face on it, saying Jesus turned water into wine, but he didn't turn Trevor Moore into Jack Campbell. And uh, I just thought that was pretty fitting for this episode. You know, I'm gonna go on. <laughs> I'm gonna go on record right now and say that Grins Grins above replacement is the most criminally underrated follow on Leafs Twitter. <laughs> He's a, I, I've been following him on Twitter for a long time and he has got some funny stuff to say yet. He doesn't, he doesn't quite get the same clout as some other people, but I think he should because he's, he's a funny guy. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a perfect tweet, especially for the conversation that we were going to have today about Jack Campbell and, and just the trading in general, uh, what Dubas is able to do with, with this team. So can I, can I bring up a tweet real quick before we leave, leave before we leave, leave stock? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, and Peter, you're going to appreciate this one because you, you know, you mentioned Nick Ritchie and how he's potentially a guy the Leafs might have to look at moving. Um, I the, the tweet came from at Brian CRD on Twitter, which you might know of if you're yeah. if you're on Leafs Twitter, you might know who he is. Pretty funny guy. He's he's got some good content as well. And I'm paraphrasing right now. I don't have it in front of me, but he essentially said something along the lines of, uh, "Whenever I'm in a bad mood, I just picture." Michael Bunting making Nick Ritchie's money and Nick Ritchie making Michael Bunting's salary. Yeah. And doesn't that just make things seem a little bit better? If, if, if you're imagining Michael Bunting making 2.5 a year and Nick Ritchie making 900 K every, all of a sudden everything seems a little bit, a little bit better. I have no problem with that. If that was the no. case. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah, no, it's uh, it's funny how 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 that works with with some of these guys. I mean, obviously, we were all excited when they signed Richie, and we can kind of understand a little bit now why why teams gave up on him a little bit quicker than than others, maybe. But um, you know, leads the team leads the team in hits right now. The intangibles are kind of there, but uh, we gotta get we gotta see a little bit more offense from the big guy. Um, I will go out of my way to mention too that Richie and the fourth line in general, like you mentioned Forbes with Simmons and everything, he's looked much more comfortable mm-hmm. on that fourth line. Yeah. yeah. So I think the, I think the points every now and then are going to come soon. Yeah. There's not no, as much sure. pressure on him to excel and try and, you know, replicate the 15 goals that he had last season. So I think that, you know, he's given a role right now, make him play what he's good at or getting in on the four check, being physical and see where it goes from there. No, I totally agree with that. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, jumping over to some other league news. Uh, the PHF opened up the other night uh, with the Toronto Six opening their season, a 4-3 win over the Buffalo Buttes. I still don't like the PHF, uh, just the name. Uh, but women's hockey, again, trying to thrive. And, and uh, this is – it was mentioned by the commissioner of the PHF that – this is the time for all women's hockey, all all sides, all units of women's hockey to come together and create one professional league. Uh, it needs to happen. They need to grow. If if this if this they're gonna they're gonna find a way to to excel as a as a professional league. This is the time for them to to take that step and and hopefully you know they can continue to grow because I know I know Toronto Six uh, they've been exciting over the past year. Um, again, this year, uh, getting an opportunity to, to open up with it, with a big W, uh, just adds more, more, uh, excitement to the city of Toronto, as well as, you know, uh, you know, there's little girls out there that uh, look up to these women and, and, you know, look for a place to play the game and, and an opportunity to grow the game. So I think it's a great opportunity. And I think the PHF is, is, uh, heading the right direction if they can continue to pursue that. Um, Aside from that, boys, I think we're going to spend the rest of this episode kind of closing out a little bit more of the conversation surrounding the NHL and, and the, the entire uh, Kyle Beach situation. Uh, obviously, it unfolded a little bit more this, this past week, and we'll get into that in just a second. But before we do, I wanted to mention Marion Gabrick retired officially this uh, this week as well. Um, maybe not uh, the numbers that you know, some would have expected having played uh, as long as he did that, that said, he obviously had a, a career riddled with injuries. Um, but he still played over a thousand games, 1,035 regular season games, had 407 goals, 815 points. And, uh, you know, being a third overall pick in for Minnesota in 2000, he still had, a pretty impeccable career uh, with Minnesota, the New York Rangers, Columbus Blue Jackets, LA Kings, and closed out with 16 games for the Ottawa Senators. Um, anything you guys wanted to add on Marion Gabrick? Um, I just wanted to say that, like, he was a very, very entertaining and very skilled player. Like, I had the privilege of watching. Um, you know, multiple 60 point seasons, two 80 point seasons, um, one with the wild, one with the Rangers, Stanley Cup champion, 
Um, this was a guy who deserved it throughout his entire career. He, 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 it seemed like he was a player that was destined to win the cup, no matter how he got there, he was going to be, you know, one of those guys to hoist the cup in the end. And I, I'm, you can't say anything bad about his career. Again, you mentioned the injuries and it's very unfortunate, but at the same time, um, it, it all seems like, you know, it, 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 doesn't mean a lot now because he has that cup ring. He has that, he has his name etched in history and he was a dynamite player for the LA Kings back when they won it. So um, can't say anything bad about his career. Uh, wish him nothing but the best of retirement and he's definitely going to be missed. And also, you know, me being part Slovak um, it's great to see players like him thrive. And now we're seeing a new wave of youth hockey coming from that country right now. So definitely serves as a great role model. Well said, Peter. And uh, I think we'll, we'll jump into the, the tough part of this conversation as we always do um, more, more uh, fallout from the Kyle beach uh, interview on TSN with Rick Westhead. Um, again, Rick's been doing a hell of a job over the last, you know, few few weeks kind of getting everything out there and, and, and really informing the public. Um, he did tweet recently that sponsors are putting kind of the NHL on notice that they were not happy with Bill Daly and uh, Gary Bettman's presser. Um, we have it kind of as two topics, but I, I we're going to kind of blend it all in as one yeah. because – you know, we all, the three of us, I know with the three of us were sitting there tweeting about it. It was, it was, it was probably the most embarrassing press conference I've ever seen um, from a league commissioner, let alone a league official. Uh, sponsors were saying how both Daly and Bettman were, were not dressed the part. They were slouching in their chair, lit, sitting back. But most of all, they were not happy with the way that the conversation went. And Alex, I'm going to throw it to you first. I, I want to get your thoughts on one, what was said, but two, how how far is the NHL falling with all this this fallout that's coming from the Kyle Beach situation? Not only the Kyle Beach situation, but the way they handled the possibility of getting Sheldon Kennedy involved and what could potentially f- come from the involvement of other players possibly, you know, coming out eventually down the road. Well, I've heard this, this term kind of applied to other people and I won't say similar situations because the NHL is definitely in their own unique situation right now, but um, it goes like this, the NHL, just when you think they can't, dig themselves any deeper they grab themselves a shovel and they keep they just keep fucking digging and that's what that's what they're doing right now i mean I, you know like you guys i watched that press conference and the part that pissed me off the most was when gary bettman was asked if he could commit to providing john doe too with, with with counseling and the proper therapy and whatever he might need and he said he couldn't commit to it because he didn't have enough information as if he needed more information than a guy under his watch, um, sexually abused a player and the team that he oversee well, not, not specifically this, the one, this one team he oversees, he oversees the entire league, obviously, but a team in the league he oversaw, um, wrote Brad Aldrich, a glaring recommendation 
and allowed him to go sexually assault John Doe too. So that part pissed me off because it's like, okay, once again, I understand that legally that wasn't your responsibility to make sure that didn't happen. But at some point, and I don't care how much of a lawyer this guy is. I don't care how much he's used to giving bullshit answers. I don't care how much flack he normally takes. At some point you would think the morals would kick in and you, and if Batman was truly a good person, he would, he would commit to providing John Doe with the help that he needs. You know, we talk about, we talk about Kyle beach right now. And again, not to undermine anything he's gone through, but John Doe too has barely been spoken about throughout this entire thing. And his life is fucked just as much as Kyle beaches. And it's, it's disgusting. And you know, I, the only way I see the NHL kind of pulling themselves out of this is if more players get involved and more players start taking a stand and more players, you know, kind of pressure the league to implement some systemic change and get this to never happen again. And it, it, it's, I don't want to be the glass half empty guy, but the NHL has not really given me much reason to hope that the, you know, the officials in charge will make a call like this. So I truly, truly hope that the players come up with some sort of some, some, I don't know what it is. I know Wayne Simmons mentioned something about an outer source to uh, kind of handle, handle allegations and stuff like this, because obviously we, we talked about this last week. The NHL ultimately in the end cares about money and nothing else. You know, Joel Quenville didn't want to, he didn't want to fire their fucking video coach because he was worried that it would mess up team chemistry. Yeah. So I don't think we can trust NHL officials to be the ones to make these calls and handle these situations. I think there does have to be that middleman there um, that are trained in offering an unbiased perspective and investigating how things went from start to finish and doing a good job of it because I think you got to have people who are trained to do that because the NHL, like I said, they've not given me much reason to hope. I'm going to go one step further and say what pissed me off was that when Sheldon Kennedy's name was brought up because he has gone through a similar situation, um, Mm -hmm. they, Bettman basically said like, they're not going to offer him kind of the support that, you know, he should deserve um, because it didn't happen at the NHL level. Um, And to me, that was, that was an opportunity for the NHL to kind of step up and be, be a leader in, in terms of trying to, to create change in this culture that they've, they've obviously been a part of creating. Um, on top of that, what you mentioned with, with John Doe too, um, the reason that Aldridge was able to do that was because one of the teams involved in the NHL w- gave a, a glowing recommendation about, you know, Aldridge. And there was Rick, Rick West had released another statement that, you know, somebody at, uh, I believe it was Notre Dame, uh, also came out and was worried about the relationship that one of the students had with uh, Brad Aldridge when he was, I guess, at that school as well. So there, this, this is, you know, this is far beyond just one person. This is, this is an ongoing situation. And um, the fact that the NHL kind of shied away from questions and not only that, but basically, basically silenced Rick Westhead from, from being a part of the conversation in that, in that uh, that. (laughs) um, presser. Like, I mean, it, it took Pierre Lebrun stepping up and saying, Hey, are you going to take a question from Rick? before you know they they actually let him ask a question i mean this is the guy who's leading the charge um that was that was despicable absolutely despicable from from a journalism perspective that was the worst you know 
the fact that they didn't answer or like and like to go to him shows that they are scared of Rick Westhead and the work that he and many other reporters have done. Yeah, that they don't want to get grilled too much. Well, guess what? Suck it up, face the music, because you're you're at the center of this. You're just as much involved as the Chicago Blackhawks and everyone else involved because it happened under your watch. It happened under Donald Ferris' watch. And the fact that Gary Bettman says that he needs more information, just read the goddamn report. I mean, w- what more information do you need about that to help yeah. out John Doe too? And excuse my language here, but th- this is very infuriating. And the fact that, you know, the players have already voted to have a separate outside independent review of how the NHLPA investigated this uh, whole uh, situation where Kyle Beach went to the PA and Donald Fear twice, as it was mentioned in the report, and they did nothing, shows that Donald Fear should be fired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, and I love the fact, well, love, I, I'm saying this ironically, obviously, but the, the fact that they, this is my favorite part of the whole thing about how they said that apparently they tried to go to Darren Dreger they, so they went to Darren Dreger for a question and he was having some audio issues and they couldn't hear him for whatever reason. So they go to a different guy and they, this is the this whole time yeah. while they're trying to figure out uh, what Darren audio Dreger's situation. audio issues is. Yeah. They keep going to more and more reporters except for Rick Westhead and they keep, they, they keep circling back and giving people second questions, follow-up questions. And they finally try and go back to Darren Dreger and his audio still isn't working and they still won't go to Rick Westhead for a question. It's like the, the, the NHL is not even trying to hide how much they're trying to stay out of Rick Westhead's sight. And it's, it's pathetic, honestly, like mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, I'm just, I run out of words every single time because it's hard to come up with things to say that haven't been said a million times on this topic already. But I, I, I do think it's worth just mentioning over and over and over how hard the NHL and the Blackhawks are dropping the ball on this one. Andrew, oh. you mentioned the whole Sheldon Kennedy thing. And like you, that really pissed me off considering the fact that um, I, I was going through the tweets and Mike Stevens, I, I'm looking at his tweet that he said about Gary Bettman saying that they're going to reach out to many professionals to help with the matters moving forward. And this is me quoting his tweet, but don't plan to with Sheldon Kennedy unless he offers his Kennedy's abuse did not come at the NHL level. So you want to reach out for help and get help from professionals, but you're not going to with one former player just because his incident didn't happen at the NHL level should it really matter where it happened because sexual assault and abuse is sexual assault and abuse no matter what age you are no matter what level you're at it is what it is it's a crime and he was a victim in all this and the fact that they're not going to a victim who dealt with everything and came out on top and is helping others as a result of that that's a slap in the face to Sheldon Kennedy and what he's doing right now with his work so I that, that like you, Andrew, that really, really triggered me because that really set me off. Like you want to get all the help that you want, but you're selecting who you want to get help from. And you're not going to take it unless someone else approaches you. Yeah, no, and and, and worth noting too that um Rick Westhead did mention that the over eight hundred players have lost confidence in both the NHL and the NHL PA in terms of how they handle situations. Um 
Mm-hmm. I believe it was Alan Walsh tweeted about uh, uh, how the, the owners have, too. yeah, the execs yeah. and the owners have lost faith in Gary Bettman after following his. I I, I don't even want to call it a press conference because it was an absolute embarrassment. Of, of, it was a deflection. It, it was, was a deflection, deflection of everything. Absolutely. But to to your to further your point, uh, Peter. One thing that the NHL prides itself on: how many teams get involved in their local local areas in terms of minor minor hockey, opening up the door to young players and, and getting involved in the community. And so, how hypocritical is it that now that somebody that at a minor league level faced sexual abuse and you don't want to get involved? Mm-hmm. Um, that to me was the most telling of of you know what Gary Bettman said. But there was one other one other. Uh, part of that statement and and first off like great move by frank saravelli to come out as the as the head of the phwa to to stand by request head like that was just i mean that's exactly what you want to see um marion hosa also postponed his uh his legacy night with the blackhawks doesn't want to be involved with the with the team at this point in time um there's been nothing to do with Akeem Alou's uh, uh, criticisms of Bill Peters while he was with the organization. Yeah. Um, but there was one, one mention in the, in the deflection where he said, Gary Bettman said, and I quote, hockey culture does not encourage, but in fact prohibits this type of activity. And I've retweeted it because to, to refer to it as a, as a activity, to me was was just a kick in the nuts. It was really a kick in the nuts to anybody who's ever been sexually abused because it's a crime. It's a crime. Yeah. And and use the word properly. It's a crime. Um by you saying it's an activity, you are condoning it. You are permitting it. You are you are minimizing what happened and to every victim out there, you are are it's a slap in the face and I, I I had to turn the 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 press conference off at one point because yeah. I just I was kind of tired of I, I was really yeah I was tired of the bullshit I I was really mm-hmm. tired of the bullshit I never liked Gary Bettman to start and to see to see the way he he's handled this situation and the way that he's kind of deflected every every question that's been asked of him um, it's it's sickening and I I really do think that if you're going to change it you mentioned this Peter last week if you're going to change the culture you got to change it from the top down and, and yeah. it starts with Gary Bettman and it, it is worth noting that Brad Aldrich was removed from the cup or X'd out as 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 you'll see on, on Twitter but every person on that fucking team needs to be X'd out um, yeah. Jonathan Taves is not a captain he's not a leader he's a guy who who, who minimized what happened in that room and and he he was part of the problem and no matter what he did in his career he is part of the problem that that you enabled what was happening by by continuing to belittle a guy who had already been brought down to the lowest point in his life and you were a part of that and um it doesn't matter that you know three four days later after you make your first statement you come back and and say you know i should have I should have been more on, on the side of Kyle beach. You know what? Forget it. I, you know, what you, you showed your true colors in your first statement and, and uh, you know, backpedal all you want. Uh, you're going to be sitting in the same spot, you know, 10 years from now, when we look back on the situation. Some final points just for me. Um, like you said, if change needs to happen, it needs to start with, or literally what I said, 
uh, last week. It needs to happen with Gary Bettman, Donald Fear, Bill Daly, Clean House. And the fact that you have the execs and owners coming out saying that what what just happened with that interview was absolutely disgusting and they did they're worried about Gary Bettman. If they, I hope they put it to a vote and I hope they essentially vote him out because we need somebody better. And my second thing is this isn't the first thing that Gary Bettman has been involved in where he has done absolutely nothing. Concussions and CTE, all the evidence that mounted from that and all the studies did absolutely nothing. The Hockey Diversity Alliance and the pact that they were supposed to have with the NHL and the fact that the NHL was doing the bare minimum, absolutely nothing came from that. And now with the Kyle Beach situation and the sexual assault allegations against Brad Aldrich and, and another one involving with the Pittsburgh Penguins, I believe right now, are we, like, I'm not, I'm not, ex, I'm not expecting any changes to come from this whatsoever because they've done nothing in the past and it, it, it seriously needs to change. Some, some, big those are just my final in Pittsburgh too. Yeah. Those are just some of my final thoughts right now, just based on his, on the past history of what he's done to try and help out in a certain situation, nothing's ever come from it. And I, and in order for something to happen from this, it's got to be without Gary Bettman. It's got to be with somebody else. Alex, anything you wanted to add before we close it out here? Um, Not really, honestly. All right. yeah, I, no. I really don't have I don't have much else left to say. I mean, I could sit here and ramble for the next ten minutes about how much of a joke the NHL is and how much of a joke everybody involved in this situation is. But it's I I don't have anything valuable to add. We we all know um, how how horrid this situation's been handled from the top down, and you know nothing's going to change until we make an example out of somebody, whether it's an owner or 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 a player or a coach or whatever. And not that, but when I say make an example of somebody, I don't mean, you know, give them the option to step down like the, like the Blackhawks did with Bowman and like the Panthers did with Quenville. I mean, give them a lifetime I, I ban. Mean, lifetime, lifetime ban. ban. Lay the exactly. Lay the exactly. Cause you know, you, one yeah. player sees a lifetime ban or sorry, one player sees another getting a lifetime ban for enabling this kind of shit. You can bet your ass that no one's going to do it ever again. Mm-hmm. And the NHL's too cowardly to take that action, but whatever yeah 100% um worth noting that uh, Jeremy Colleton was let go this week um by the Blackhawks Derek King will be taking over on an interim basis um a couple of last quick notes before we close out the episode we did not mention this in our leave talk but Mikhail Sergachev was suspended for a high hit on Mitch Marner he'll he'll sit for two games uh, I believe he'll lose about $48,000 over those two games. Um, that's a, that's about wow. half my salary here, boys. Uh, yeah. That's a lot of money. <laughs> I was going to say, that's like, I was going to say, that's like me getting suspended and being told to fork over a case of beer. <laughs> I will say this though, at least the NHL or player safety did something right because let's face it that was a suspended that was a suspension worthy yeah. hit and if i was honestly i was just i was expecting this i was just gonna expect a five thousand dollar fine i think like we're so used to seeing in the past so the fact that they were able to give a two-game suspension i think it, it's a big win in that regard 
I am yes, no. I'm gonna say this lightly because I am fully expecting myself to go back on this on this uh, you know in, in about a week or two. I have been impressed by the Department of Player Safety so far this season. Ooh, I think yeah. I think no, they have season, made yeah. some very good decisions thus far. That said, <laughs> it needs to be continue. It needs to continue with <laughs> consistency because we saw Gabriel yeah. Landeskog suspended earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Sergachev, they are taking big names and they are, they are holding these guys accountable for high hits and dirty hits. Yes. So, George Peros, if you are listening, stay consistent. Do it year-round because I will be your biggest critic. I will be your, <laughs> I will crucify you. If you continue to shit the bed as the head of the Department of Player Safety, you're on the right track. Continue to go down that right track. <laughs> Andrew Forbes, Going review? Andrew Forbes to George Peros, November 8th, 2021. Don't fuck this up, buddy. Hey, sign me up. I'm the next, I'm the next Jake Paul. I'll take on J- George Peros in the ring. Let's go. Oh, Let's would, go, baby. Let's I would, go. I don't know if you know what you're getting yourself into there, but I, at the same time, I would I'd watch that and I'd support you all the way. Pay pay per view, boys. Pay per view. I'll take I'll take a cut. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Um. Also, Brady Chuck was named the captain of the Ottawa Senators. They have not had a captain, I believe, since Eric Carlson left for San Jose. Am I wrong? Was Carlson ever ever the captain for them? No, he was the captain. He was, was he? Captain. he yeah, yeah, he was the captain. Okay. Yeah, I think he was he's the last captain before he okay. got sent over to San Jose, yeah. I, I yeah. don't know why, but for whatever reason, I'm thinking of Chris Phillips as the last captain, but I'm probably looking <laughs> pretty pretty far in the past. So, um, Last point, boys, before we close this out. The Jack Eichel saga has finally come to an end. The Vegas Golden Knights will be way over the cap at some point this season. What are we going to talk about now, though? Oh, we can talk about how, <laughs> how good Buffalo is. <laughs> For now. I'm just joking. I'm For now. kidding. Um, <laughs> no, he says but, with an evil grin. I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah. No, but they uh, – I mean, it, it obviously a big trade. I honestly thought mm-hmm. there was going to be more of a return for Jack Eichel. That said, obviously he's gone for likely the next three months. Um, he's getting the surgery he wants. Vegas is totally on board. Um, he'll be the first NHL player to get the surgery and, fingers crossed, return to his playing – uh, playing days um, shortly after, but uh, yeah, it's great, great move by Vegas. They seem seem to, um, I mean, great move in the sense that they are in a win now mentality. But if you look at at Vegas's future, uh, it's frightening um, yeah. because mm-hmm. their their prospect pool is is minuscule. Um, you know, I I just want to jump in here and say yeah, that absolutely the I I think one thing that Vegas should be concerned about catching up to them is players catching on to how non-loyal they are to not only their draft picks, but their, their stars as well. Mm -hmm. I won't even say, I won't say stars, I guess, but I mean, I look at the fact that they've traded every single first round pick they've had up until 2020. I believe they've still got Brendan Brisson and Zach Dean in their system, but everybody from 2017 to 2019 is gone. And I mean, you know, how are future draft picks going to feel about that? If they know that, you know, they're getting drafted, but 
you know, the, the moment that a great rental becomes available at the deadline and it's the asking price is a first round pick, boom, they're out the door. And you, you go back and look at the fact that they traded Nate Schmidt for pennies mm-hmm. to open up cap room to sign out, sign Alex Petrangelo. I mean, like, you know, Vegas, I gotta, I gotta admire the hustle and the admire to wanting to become a better team and kind of maximize, you know, the assets you have into building this better team, but playing with fire. I, I gotta say, yeah. I think they're playing with fire. Yeah, you you mentioned the future too. I mean, like, yeah, Brendan Breeson and Zach Dean are going to be good players. But comparing that to what Nick Suzuki is right now, to what Peyton Krebs could be a future top six two-way centerman that could put up 60 points. And I, I understand one, like them trading Cody Glass because you kind of got like a bit of a gauge on him, although maybe you should have given him more of a chance. Same with Eric Branstrom. But giving up Peyton Krebs, Alex Tuck, I mean, like, like you said, Andrew, the return could have been a little bit better. It's still a great return for Buffalo, but maybe throw in another prospect in there, someone like maybe a Pavel Dorofiev, someone or Jack Duggan to go the other way. But yeah, the fact that they're giving up so much talent in their prospect pool right now, I'm looking at their picks right now for the next few seasons. They don't have, they're not giving up that first because, well, most likely it's going to, they're going to give up the first because it's top 10 protected. I don't see them being a top 10 lottery team. And it it, it just doesn't look good. It does not look great at all for them. I mean, granted, they have a good scouting department. They're probably going to make those picks last, but, or make them worth it. But at the same time, a lot of uncertainty right now. And, if I'm a top prospect going to Vegas, am I even going to play a game for them at some point? You if know? I'm a first round pick getting drafted by Vegas at this point, I'm just, I'm, I'm getting trade ready me to now. put on, I'm, I was just going to say, I'm getting ready to put on the Detroit Red Wings jersey two years just from trade now. Trade me now. Yeah. So boys, I'm, I'm going to put this out there real quick. I think in terms of the return, um, Vegas gave up what they have because they don't have much. Uh, when yeah. when you look at it, they don't really have that much to give up. Mm-hmm. I do think Buffalo got as much as they could for a guy that's going to get, you know, disc replacement surgery on his back. Um, at the end of the day, Jack Eichel's Jack Eichel. He's going to he, he's a superstar in this league, but he does have you know this looming injury now that you know we don't know how it's going to affect him moving forward. Absolutely, yeah. I do want to say though, how how crazy would it be? And and I'm just going out on a limb here. I know it's still only 12 games into their season, but how crazy would it be if the Vegas Golden Knights didn't make the playoffs? And I I say that I say that because right now through 12 games they're six and six. Yes, they're missing some key players, but with that said, I mean Robin Lehner hasn't been incredible they moved mark andre Fleury, kind of in a bush league way um, and, and i don't think laner was the guy to take on you know 50 to 60 games in a season where you know you're you've got a high powered offense and you know your d might not be living up to expectations so right now they're a 500 club the Edmonton, in the Pacific Division, Edmonton, Calgary, Anaheim, and San Jose are ahead of them. Likely, The likelihood is that Anaheim and San Jose could falter down the stretch. That said, 
John Gibson's having one of his better seasons in recent memory. Um, Mason McTavish is back for the, for the ducks. He's playing well. How about um, Troy Terry coming out of nowhere? Troy Terry, uh, Jamie Drysdale. Like that's, that's a young squad led by, by Ryan Getzlav still. And then you have San Jose who has the distraction out of the room for the first 21 games. So they can maximize on that because Evander Kane's not there. And William Eklund's there. They've got a young squad, Timo, Timo Mayer. Um, go ahead, I will Alex. say, I, I was just going to say, William Eklund was actually just loaned back to Sweden. So he's not yeah. with the Sharks anymore. But I appreciate the correction. Uh, it's all good. Yeah. No, but you, you know what I mean? Team Sweden way. just looked even more deadly this year at the World Juniors. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, it's I, I know it's a crazy take to think that Vegas won't make the playoffs, but it's a consideration, um, mm-hmm. you know, with the money that they're spending, I believe their cap is showing 93 million with 11, 11.7 on long-term IR. So at some point um, their long-term IR with Jack Eichel, Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty and Jake Bischoff, which I mean, whatever though, but the other three, <laughs> the other three are eventually going to come back and what are they going to do? Yeah, we're what, gonna have to go on a massive run if they, if they come back January, February, plus the Olympic break, and what what happens after that? They're gonna have to go on a really, really impressive run, like near perfection. But to get to those happen. guys back in the lineup, you need to you need to shed some serious cap. Yeah, unless and, you just keep them on and do fourteen million over the cap for the playoffs. Yeah, but you're gonna have to you're gonna have to have those guys agree to sit out the entire year until playoff yeah. time. So and I mean, still no guarantee even with the roster that you have that you make the playoffs. Absolutely. So it's a very interesting situation. Uh, it's one that I wanted to bring up because I think it's, you know, they put themselves into a really, you, you think the Leafs are in a tight cap situation. Uh, think- the Vegas Golden Knights moving forward, especially because these guys are lo- signed long-term. This is not going to put them in a great position. I, every everyone does complain about the Maple Leafs cap hit. I think the Vegas Golden Knights are much worse right now, and I'm even going to throw in even at some point the New York Rangers because they're now going to have money tied to Adam Fox, um, you know, Artemi Panarin, and Mika Zibanejad's contract as well. Um, granted, I, granted, they all deserve it, but Shesterkin's coming up, Shesterkin as well. Like you're going to have a lot of RFAs to deal with at this point as well. So to say that the Maple Leafs are the only team dealing with cap situations, look around the league and then you'll see what we're talking about. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting for the golden Knights. I just, I, I mean, I think it's a great trade for them moving forward, but mm-hmm. uh, they, they've got a lot to figure out before, uh, before we can say that they're going to be a, a perennial perennial contender uh, in my opinion. They better um, hope they win a cup soon. I'll say that. Absolutely. And, and it's going to be all for nothing. Yeah. Literally I, I will, all for nothing. I, I do want to make one more point before we get out of this topic. Could you imagine the marketing and how incredible it would have been if Eichel ended up in Calgary and you had the Battle of Alberta with McDavid or Eichel? Yeah. Could you that, imagine that? Not only that, but can you imagine the poor Vancouver Canucks for and oh, the deal God. with McDavid and Eichel Ooh, like every man, other that night? That would have been fun. Oh. And could you imagine – that American top line of Eichel, Goudreau, and Matthew Kachuk. 
the marketing opportunities that were available right there, man. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I almost wish that he went to Calgary because you know, the battle of Alberta would just be so much more worth turning, tuning into with those two guys going head to head. But regardless, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to point that out. I thought that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, no, that that would be incredible. But um, yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see him in a in a Vegas Golden Knights jersey. I saw that first jersey being made, the gold jersey. Oh, it did it did look pristine, boys. Uh, it looked, About it him looked as incredible. sort of like the Jack card. Yeah, yeah, that was Jack some nice card, graphics like right it. there. Yeah, that like was a, that was a cool graphic. Yeah. Um. Anyways, boys. Uh, before we close out here, Alex, anything you wanted to add? Anything you want to let our listeners know about? Uh, well, I mean, by the time this episode's up, my, uh, my weekly prospect roundup will be, uh, will be out there and I'm probably going to tackle one or two takeaways pieces this week for, for, for leaf games. So keep an eye on those as well. Peter, anything you want to add for our listeners? Um, like Alex, one piece is probably going to be up already. Um, why the Maple Leafs are, you know, I've shown that they can keep up with the best and, um, just prepping for some world junior stuff right now. Beautiful. Yeah, you got some good content coming out uh, with the World Junior, so very excited for that. That's uh, here in Canada. It's always a fun time to get uh, get loaded with the family and watch uh, watch some hockey games. But there you go, boys. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a good week. Uh, as we as you mentioned, you you both will have pieces coming out. I've got uh, I've got I'm working on something uh, regarding uh, David Kampf uh, for the Maple Leafs. I'm very excited about it. Um, our, our sticks in the six goal picks contest has been really revving up. I think we've got about 50 some odd people involved taking, you know, making guesses and, you know, tuning in, which is great. Uh, we'll, we'll update the standings on the show moving forward. Um, but uh, to all you guys who have followed along and uh, get involved, we appreciate it. Always send your questions in. We love to talk about uh, things that our listeners are interested in and want to know about. But boys, it's been 60 episodes. Uh, it's been a ride. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, and here's to the next 60 as we as we you know move forward with our our beloved Toronto Maple Leafs in 2021-22. Until next time, thank you all again for joining us on episode 60 of the podcast. You can follow Peter on Twitter at p Barracchini. Uh, you can follow Alex. Uh, Alex, I'm going to throw this over to you because I don't have your new handle. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah, my, my new Twitter handle is at A Hobson Media. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm taking a social media class. It's, it's part of my, my, my last year of classes here. And uh, Prof wanted us to make a, a business account for Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And she wanted the username to remain consistent throughout the three. And I was like, all right, well, I, I'm pretty much using my main account to promote all my professional stuff. So I'm not going to make a new Twitter account. And I figured, you know, having a number in the name at this point, it's a little, a little cheesy. So I figured I had to get yeah. that out of there and go, <laughs> go, go Hobson, a Hobson media. It has a little bit of a nicer ring to it. So yeah, you can there you go there. folks follow Alex over at a Hobson media. You can follow myself at Andrew G Forbes. Or you can follow the podcast at Sticks in the Six Pod. That's S T I X I N T H E six I X P O D. You can hit us up on Instagram. You can hit us up on YouTube. We've got some great content coming out there uh, as often as we can. Um, or you can head over to Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you download your podcast. Make sure you listen, download, subscribe, whatever you can do to help us out. Uh, it's always, always uh, appreciated. 
Until next time, boys, uh, enjoy the week. Enjoy some Leaf hockey, and we'll get back at you next week for episode 61.